You're welcome, brethren. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for not Amen. Um, our topic today is who the Messiah is from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, from verse 13, verse 13 to 20. And I'll read. Sorry about this. I'll, I'll read for us Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. And it says, Solomon Bambi sound, volume, volume, volume. Are you able to hear me now? Is that loud? Yes, yes, that's Sorry. better. Sorry about that. All right. So I'm saying that our topic is who the Messiah is. And the reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, from verse 13 to 20. And I'll, um, I'll read for us before I invite our preacher for that day. So it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I'll build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Verse 19, and I'll give you the case of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he suddenly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. That is the end of our reading. Um, brethren, we want to welcome our preacher today, Mr. Gertrude Tukasigora. You're most welcome. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Solome, for leading us. Thank you for leading us in the time of prayer and really taking us through even today's portion of scripture. So um, I'll just briefly uh, introduce myself. My name is Gertrude Tukasingra. Um, I am born again and I love the Lord. And I'm blessed and privileged to be given this opportunity to share in the word and in the portion of scripture that has already been read to us today. So when uh, when uh, I, 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 I went through uh, this portion of scripture, <clears throat> I, I, a lot of things went through my, my mind especially uh, when we focus on the theme, which is who the Messiah is. And when we look at this portion of scripture, we are looking, we are seeing 
the disciples giving a description of who they think Jesus was. And the revelation comes through Simon Peter when he responds and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus, in amazement, replies saying, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And uh, the question kept ringing in my mind. Who do I think? Who do I think Jesus is? Who do you think Jesus is? Who has Jesus been to you? What has he been to you? Because we are looking at the disciples that have walked with the Lord for a period of about three years when Jesus started his ministry, three years of ministry. And now the Lord is finding out from them what or who they they think he is or what do people say he is. And I usually like to understand a portion of scripture by reading it in context. When you look at Matthew chapter 6, right from verse 1, we see a scenario where the Pharisees and the Sadducees are demanding for a sign from Jesus. And they, according to the history, we, we are told that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were often very bitter about uh, Jesus' ministry. And so in this particular portion of scripture, they join forces. They join forces to uh, against Jesus. And so because they had seen him as a threat uh, to their leadership and power. And now they begin to demand for signs. But even in their demanding for signs, Jesus had a response. And so we continue to see that uh, in verse 12, they say, when the, when the Pharisees, when the, then they told, they understood that he did not actually at that time when he was talking to the to the apostles, to the disciples, he was he was talking about the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he was warning them against the living. And at that time, a portion of the disciples were murmuring and thinking, probably he's referring to the lack of bread because they had crossed over to the other side of the sea and they had not carried bread with them. But Jesus, aware of this, he said, (laughs) Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000? And how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many baskets you gathered? How is it then that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Then he warns them and says, beware of the living of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to be aware of the living of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then now in verse 13, he, when they walk, when, when, when they are taking an evening walk, We find now a scenario where Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And then they said, uh, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, 
others, Jeremiah, basically referring him to the prophets in the in the, uh, the, the, the prophets that were then there before the time of, of his, his coming. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? So he first wanted to know what do people say I am? And the disciples told him. And then he wanted a personal, he wanted to get to dive more deep, deeper to a personal level and find out who do you say I am? And many instances in our, in our work with Christ, it is very possible to actually ascribe uh, to, 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 to be knowledgeable about what the Lord has done based on the testimonies of the people around you. But if, if you, do we have personal testimonies? Do we have personal, how do we personally know the Lord? And this was a question that he asked them. And Peter, Simon Peter, boldly, with boldness, says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And the Lord is amazed at, first of all, the boldness and the confidence that comes with, know, with Peter's knowledge of who he was. And he says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So we see an aspect of authority, an aspect of the Lord actually handing down authority or handing over authority to Peter and saying, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth. Meaning, this reminded me of the scripture in Second Peter and chapter one, that he has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. And it goes on to talk about the different qualities that a, a born again Christian should bear. In the sense that in bearing these different qualities, you will not be ineffective and unproductive in your work with the Lord. And so for every born again Christian, for you and I, brethren, we have been given whatever it takes pertaining to life and to godliness. We have no excuse because we have salvation, and because we have walked with the Lord and we have seen what he has done, not just for us, but even for the people around us. And because of that, we are able to have a testimony every time, every time we are faced with a question, who do you say I am? We are able to have a response. When we look at the Messiah, basically understanding the concept of the Messiah, this the Messiah was um, the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation, as prophesied in 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 the in the in the book of in the different books of the prophets, as we we, we will we will be see, seeing and understanding. I want to look at this in different ways, and I came. 
and I and 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 I hope I'll be I hope we shall be able to to understand even as we read as 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 we share and and as I share I pray that the Lord will be able to make this uh, more clearer. So when we look at the aspect of the Messiah, who the Messiah is, we see the Messiah in all the different portions of scripture. He is first of all prophesied about. He is prophesied about. He came and he was offered as a living sacrifice. He lived a life and was rejected. At some point, he faced rejection. And later, upon rejection, he was crucified. And when he was crucified, he died, but he resurrected. And today, as we speak, he reigns. So I'm going to look at this, these different dimensions, and I'll be talking about each one of them in response to scripture. And I hope that by the end of this, we shall be able to understand who the Messiah actually was and is to us. So on one occasion, like I mentioned, Jesus was asking his disciples who people were saying that he was. And then he asked them a personal question, but for you, who do you say that I am? And they said what they said. And Peter's response was, was the most amazing. And it is not surprising that Peter knew about the coming Messiah and concluded that Jesus was the Christ. And after all that, all he had traveled with him, dined with him, ministered with him and listened to his teaching for three years, you would expect him to know this. Friends, there is a, there's a, there's a possibility of actually walking with your Lord and being constantly in the presence, coming to church every day, doing everything it takes to be in church, to serve, basically servicing the Lord. And when we actually cannot have a testimony of who the Lord is to us, we have seen the things that the Lord has done. We have seen the things that he's continuing to do. But having a personal testimony is a challenge. I'll give an example of John chapter 4. Jesus had an encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well. Now, this woman was not even a Jew, but a Samaritan who was hated by the Jews, yet somehow she was also quite familiar with the fact that the Messiah was coming. And Jesus confirmed that he was, in fact, the Messiah. When you read John chapter 4, verse 25. So we were talking about basically the Messiah and his encounter with the Samaritan lady. And I was just talking about John chapter 4. And um, we were focusing on verses 25 and 26. And we say that this woman who was a stranger, who was a Gentile, had an idea that there was a Messiah that was to come. But in verse 26, Jesus acknowledges that he, he was the Messiah. And so I believe that God is in the habit of revealing himself to us as individuals. I believe very strongly that the era that we are living in is indeed 
an era where we are in waiting for the second coming of our Lord and our Savior. And even in that waiting, he has been, the scriptures have told us and taught us over and over again and warned us about the end times and how and when things will happen. And we are going to really, really understand as we continue, because as I mentioned, we are going to look at the prophecies about who the Messiah was and, uh, and how he came down to earth, how he offered himself as a living sacrifice, just so we can understand the role of the Messiah and his rule on the earth. So when we look at the prophecies in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 to 7, it says, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Verse 25. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moot and even in times of distress. Then verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war, desolations are determined and he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering and on the wing of abominations, he will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Now, I know this may not be very easy to digest at the moment, but this was David. And this was Daniel basically prophesying about the anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. And so the Jews and even the Samaritans were anticipating the coming of the Messiah because of the numerous Old Testament prophecies when you read Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 11 also will tell us that there shall come forth a shoot from that stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest heavily upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And it goes on and on. These were just another one of the prophecies that came through about the Messiah. Then we move on to see the sacrificial side of the Messiah. In John chapter 12, verse 9 to 17, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the priests, the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. 
the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, O daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. So now, amazingly, the crowd that was rejoicing and celebrating Jesus' arrival during this period, the Jews were subjects of the hated Roman Empire. So they thought... Jesus was the Christ who would set up an earthly kingdom and would deliver them from their Roman oppressors. So did you notice, though, in, in verse 10, that even in the midst of all this celebration, the chief priests were plotting how they would kill both Lazarus and Jesus because Lazarus was living proof of the miracle of Jesus. And what that miracle that, that Jesus performed of raising him from the did was typical of his messiahship and so scripture was being fulfilled right in their sight and amazingly in just a few short days some of these same people who were calling to him Hosanna in the highest blessed is he who comes in the name of, of the Lord are the same people that were shouting even more passionately for his crucifixion and so we begin to see the messiah facing uh crucifixion, right, being given away into onto crucifixion by the same people that had embraced him. And when uh, we, we would, when we think about this in, in, in our normal lives, uh, we see that many times, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you find yourself in a position where at some point the things you do simply send our Lord back onto the cross and we keep nailing him back onto the cross because it is as if what he did on the cross was in vain. And so that has to be done over and over again because the scriptures tell us that when the Lord was crucified, when the Messiah was crucified on the cross, it put an end to the old covenant that was that was pronouncing that that, that that was dictating the blood that was accepting the blood of bulls and goats and all these other things because once and for all he shed his blood and this blood is now what we 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 it's it's what we are covered in and if you remember even during the crucifixion of the messiah these people told Pontius Pilate that let his blood be on our heads and on the heads of our children. And so this gives us a picture of who the Messiah or who this our Lord and Savior is. This was the, the same person that came down and gave himself up for us, that we, you and I, may be able to live and live a life of abundance. Then we continue to see in portion, other portions of scripture the rejection of the Messiah. When we look at Mark chapter 12, 
it's interesting how the Messiah himself spoke in parables to the to the um, to the disciples, and he was only speaking of in parables because this was this was the best way he would express some of the things that were to come or that were to happen. And so he began to speak in parables in Mark chapter 12. When you read Mark chapter 12 from verse 1 to 11, he talks about the story of the vineyard and how a man planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug the wine press and built a tower. And at harvest time, he sent a slave to the vine growers in order to receive some of the produce of the vineyard from the vine growers. But they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another slave and they did the same thing. And he sent another one and they did the same thing. And then he had one more to send, a beloved son. He sent them, he sent his beloved son <laughs> once and he sent his beloved son and said, maybe when they see him, they'll respect him. But these vine growers say to one another, this is the hair. Let us, in fact, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. Very interesting. A very interesting how this portion of scripture, and when I was reading it, really exposes the heart of the hearts of men and how it fulfills scripture when scripture says the heart of a man is really, really deceitful. The heart of a man is really wicked. You know, at some point, your someone is loving and caring. At another point, when you even actually expect them to be kind, in fact, what you send, when God sent his one and only son, <laughs> the expectation was, oh, maybe they will believe. But actually, it became, it was worse. It was worse because the death that Jesus died I be, was 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 recorded as one of the worst forms. Dying on a cross was one of the worst forms of death. But this was the Messiah. And he had to go through these things. And he had to go through them bit by bit. He had to be prophesied about. And then he had to be to be um to be crucified. At some point, he had to actually be, he had to face rejection before that. He felt his first rejection. And now here we are seeing a scenario where he is actually rejected and alone. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Okay, so um so he, he's facing a scenario where he's rejected and he's alone. And then indeed, according to the parable here, Jesus tells this parable to relate how he would be rejected and ultimately killed. And so he being the son of the vineyard owner, that the, in this portion of, of, of in, 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 they depicted these vine growers to be the, the religious leaders who would kill. He was the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected and that was really who he was the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected and this parable relates how the nation of israel rejects the messiah actually but some of the some parts of the nation of israel some people some israelites to this day still reject jesus as them as the messiah that's why we have certain portions or sections of the messianic jews 
And then we have the other Jews who do not, I think, believe in the coming of the, the second coming of the Messiah. So we, we, we simply look at all these things and this, so when we look at his arrest, the mockery of trial, his crucifixion and his, his burial and his resurrection, it brings us to the, the next event in the timeline of, of the Messiah's life. And, and when you look at that, we, 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 when we read Acts chapter 1, we look at a scenario where you remember when the Messiah was crucified, died, and buried after three days, the Bible says he rose again. And when he rose again, he kept appearing to the disciples at different points. First, uh, when you read Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says to these, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Jesus was going to be living and the ministry was the ministry had to continue. And so because ministry had to continue, he had to, it was critical that he convinced them. That's why when we read um I think it is either First John or Second John, where the 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 where John begins by saying that which we have seen, that which we have touched with our own hands, that which we have that which that which we have uh, beheld, we 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 proclaim to you, and that is the word of life, and the word of life became flesh, and this flesh dwelt among us, and he goes on and on and on and explains the entire timeline of the Messiah, and how he later appears to them again. So these, of, of the 12, remember, there were 11 out of the 12. And these people, because they walked and lived a life with the Messiah, they had a commitment to follow the Messiah. So when they had so in, in in Acts chapter one verse six to eleven, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And, where, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him going into heaven. Now notice what their very last question to Jesus was before his departure. He, they asked him, has the time finally come? Are you going to establish the kingdom now that you came? Are you going to establish the kingdom now? And they knew he was going to set it up and they were ready for him to do it there and then. But it's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus ascended and today there is still much speculation over the precise timing of the Messiah's return. And when his Messianic kingdom will begin, but Christ made, the Lord made it clear in verse 7, 
of Acts chapter 1. He made it very clear when he, when he departed that it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So this was this is this this just triggered a lot in my mind regarding the coming of the Messiah and how we are all living in this era where we are in waiting and believing and waiting on the coming of the Messiah. Because it is really written in scripture. We may we do not know the day, the time, the hour. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. So the answer is is because the Lord, the reason why we do not, we do not, we will, we do not know the date, the exact date and time when the Lord will come, is simply because the Lord wants us to live each day as if it will be the day when He comes back for us. And given human nature, if we knew when Jesus was coming back, we would tend to wait until shortly before the time to start being diligent in serving Him. So the knowledge that Christ can come back for us at any time should motivate us to live godly lives for him all the time. So then, how do we know that Jesus is coming back? We know the same way they knew in Jesus' day that the Messiah was coming. So this is may not this may not this may be a scenario of history repeating itself, but only that this time it will be different. It will be different because he will be coming back again. He's coming back again. And God's word clearly states it, that he's actually coming back again. Portions of scripture that actually show that he's coming back again. When you read John chapter 14, verse 2 to 3, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And that where I am, there you may be also. And again, when we read First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 to 17, it says, Jesus left and went to heaven, where he said he'd prepare a place for us. He said he would come back and get us so that we could be with him there. Paul supplies some of the details to us exactly how this takes place. And, and in, in verse 15, to, 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 to actually quote the scripture, it says, For this we were, for this we said to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who fall, who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, he says, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. The last portion of scripture in this is First Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must, be, must put on immortality. Now, 
in, in as I conclude, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11 to 16 says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages woe. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on it. On him which no one knows except himself, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on the white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it it may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord, and Lord, Lord of Lords. Brethren, the Bible clearly spells out who the Messiah is. And in summary, in summary, uh, Isaiah chapter 11 really summarizes it for us. And he simply says, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide the fairness with fairness for the afflicted of the earth, and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. When we read, I'll quickly get to verse 10. Then in that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. Time doesn't permit me to examine some of the additional aspects of the Messiah and his Messianic reign. But basically, that's what I wanted us to note from Isaiah chapter 11, that the Messiah will judge with righteous judgment, that his authority and rule will be absolute, that the wicked will be slain, that the predator and the prey relationships of animals, you hear things like the, 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 the lion and the lamb will dwell together. All people will have the knowledge of the Lord. And in general, the curse of sin is curtailed, but not eliminated. And we've looked at the prophecies of the Messiah. He's being offered as a king, but rejected. His departure and subsequent return. And finally, his reign here on earth. And I want to conclude by just asking us to carefully consider what our response to the Messiah would be. Would it be like Peter? Or would it be in reference to what others think? Because in summary, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 13, explains to us who this Messiah was and the nature of him. First of all, in verse 5, it says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ. That's Philippians 2, verse 5 who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And our 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 theme this month is centered around uh, he's in him being in our midst. And I want to encourage us that the Lord, greater is he that lives in you than the devil that is out there in the world. And more constantly, we, we should remind ourselves that we, we do not have a high priest who is un, unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have that one who has been tempted in every way, just as we have been, and yet he was without sin. So let us, we are encouraged to actually approach the throne of grace, the throne of the Lord with, with boldness and confidence that we may receive mercy that will help us in our time of need. And just like Peter, I believe that if your testimony is that of who the Lord has been to you and acknowledging him as your personal Lord and Savior, then you can be assured that you are that rock that he will build his church on and, and you will be able to overcome the enemy's traps and whatever the enemy brings against you. And you should also be assured that you have the keys you have the keys to bind whatsoever it is that is on earth because we are assured that whatsoever we shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And the same Lord tells us that when we are gathered together in his name, he is there in our midst. And that is the faithful God that I proclaim to us today. He is faithful. He is able. He is more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly. We, let's just pray as we wind close now. Father, we thank you because your word is powerful. Your word is alive and active. Your word is like a sword. And Lord, over and over again, over scripture, Lord, we cannot fathom who you are to us. We cannot, we cannot grasp your infinite wisdom. There is nobody who can, who can fathom who can fathom the depth of your grace, the depth of your love. We cannot explain how deep, how long, how high your love is to us. We could go on and on and on over scripture, Lord, to understand who you really are to us. But Lord, we, our confidence is in the fact that you have sent the spirit of your son into our hearts, prompting us to call you Abba, Father, prompting us to stand in your presence with boldness and confidence because of the finished work of the cross. I pray that, Lord, for each one of us that is gathered here today, both online, Lord, I pray that you will minister to each one of us the best way only you can. We pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to reveal himself to us and continue to teach us even from here and now and all and and from now onwards, we give you thanks and we give you praise. 
For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Gertrude, let's continue in prayer. Father, Lord God Almighty, we want to thank you for using our sister, Mrs. Gertrude, this evening. We thank you for bringing forth your word, Lord. We pray that you reveal her. We pray for covering over her life, my Lord, that she'll keep serving you. We speak your blessing upon her life, upon her family. And Lord, we pray that you cover her in your precious blood. And we want to pray against any counterattacks in her life, so Lord, even as she has, she has given herself to serve you this evening. Father, we continue to thank you for your revelation this evening that has come through in who the Messiah is, Lord God. We want to thank you for your word that is new every time we listen to it, O oh Lord. We want to thank you, O oh Lord, that your word has come forth this evening with, with clarity, my Lord. We want to bring repentance where we have not embraced you as the Messiah in our lives, in our families, my Lord, where we've been too occupied and even probably serving you and showing up at church regularly and religiously, yet we fail to have an encounter with you, Lord, yet we fail to open up our hearts to you, to have a real feel of who you are and who you, who you, who, what you intend to do in our lives, my Lord and King. We bring repentance, O Lord, as, as individuals, as families, Lord God Almighty, want to bring repentance. As All Saints Cathedral Kampala, we want to bring repentance, my King and Lord, where we've closed you out of our programs, of our, of our fellowships, Lord, where we've, we've closed out your, your, your great commission out of the things that we do, my Lord and King. We bring repentance, Lord, as a body of Christ, O oh Lord, in Uganda and beyond, my Lord and King, where we have blinded our souls, where we've been blind, to your entrance in your church, O oh Lord. Well, we've been so blind to your entrance in our communities. Well, we've been so blind to your entrance, or in your entrance, O oh Lord, in the province of the church of Uganda. Father, we bring repentance as a church, my Lord and King. Father, Lord, we want to, to bring repentance while well, we've chased away um, people and men of God that you, you've strategically brought in our midst, O Lord, and, and probably we've rejected them because of, of different things. Maybe we are lacking in discernment, O Lord. Maybe we are too occupied with our day-to-day -day responsibilities and we are unable to see and we've made up, we've ended up making un, unworthy, <clears throat> unworthy, unworthy decisions in your kingdom, O Lord God Almighty. We've ended up being at vainless service in your in your temple, in your presence, my Lord. We bring repentance. We bring repentance this evening on behalf of our church, my Lord God Almighty. Father, we want to continue bringing repentance on behalf of our leaders, O Lord, that Lord, where, we, where they've, 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 they've led us in, in their personal desires, where they've led us through their personal motives, my Lord and King, where they've led through personal desires and dreams and achievements and, you know, different things that have driven our ministry, my Lord. We bring repentance as leaders, oh Lord. We bring repentance as a church, oh Lord, where we've had personal personal agendas in our fellowships, in the different leaderships that you've given us, oh Lord, for your kingdom. And we've owned them 
and taken out the Messiah out of them. We want them to drive our personal needs, O oh Lord, to meet our personal desires, my Lord and King. We bring repentance this evening, O oh Lord, and we pray that, Lord, as your word has come down this evening, we pray that there will be new entrance of you, the Messiah, in our lives. There will be new entrance, O oh Lord, we open up our arms to you this evening. We open up our church, my Lord, this evening, that you will enter as the Messiah. You will come. You come forth as the Messiah, O oh Lord, that we shall be able to encounter you as our Messiah, as our Redeemer, as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, my Lord and King. We pray that you come, you come in power, my Lord. You come in power in All Saints Cathedral, Kampala. You come in power in the Church of Uganda, in the Anglican Church of Uganda, in the body of Christ in Uganda, my Lord. We pray that you reveal yourself, that we shall be able to encounter you, my Lord, as the true Redeemer, as the Messiah, my Lord, as we stand in the gulf this evening, Lord. We pray that you give us the power to witness for you, my Lord, in all the places that you called us, just like your word. Your word says in, 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 in that, that you, when the Holy Spirit comes up upon us, we shall be your witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, and all parts of the world, my Lord and King. We pray that, Lord, as we gather in your presence this evening, we shall be able to be your, your witnesses wherever you called us to stand, my Lord. We shall be able to be your witnesses. We shall be able to carry the true Messiah. Oh Lord, in our families, in our communities, in the different workplaces that you stationed us, my Lord and King, in the various people's lives that you bring in our lives, oh Lord God Almighty. Father, Lord, we pray that we shall have a true reflection of your messiahship in our lives, Lord, that our words shall reflect your Lordship in our lives, my King and Lord, that our thoughts shall reflect your greatness and your kingship, my Lord. We pray that our actions, Lord, will be a refreshing in our lives this evening, oh Lord, there will be a revival in our church, oh Lord, that will be able to display who the Messiah is and who exactly you are, oh Lord, in our lives. Father, Lord, we pray that even as, as we gather in your presence this evening, we pray for grace to live for you at all times, my Lord and King, that we shall be able to look to you for all solutions, for all situations, for all issues that we encounter in our lives, my Lord and King. Father, there'll, there'll be evidence of your of your working in our lives, every single day of our lives as we wake up to show up for you, my Lord and King. Father, I want to pray that you help us, you help us, you help us wherever we are weak, Lord, that we shall be able to work for eternity, that we shall be able to work out our salvation with fear and trembling as we await your coming, my Lord and King, that we shall be able to be humble servants just like you. Your son taught us how, how true servants will be, so Lord, that there will be humility amongst us, so Lord, that Lord, we shall not exhort ourselves, we bring repentance where we've exhorted ourselves, oh Lord, in the various things that you've given us, the things that don't even belong to us, my Lord. We bring repentance, God, where we've exhorted other names, my Lord, other than your name in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, even in our church, Lord, we bring repentance and we pray that, Lord, there will be a reawakening this evening, Lord, that we shall be able to exalt you above all other names. Father, we ask that you, you pour upon us the spirit of discernment, each one of us, Lord, each family that is represented here, my Lord. We pray that you, you 
pour your spirit upon us that there will be discernment in our midst, O oh Lord, that you open our eyes to see you, to encounter you, not just to say we are saved, we got saved in 19, whatever you have got saved, the Lord, but that your presence, your salvation shall be evident. We shall be able to see it and those around us shall be able to touch it and feel it and talk about it, Lord, that we shall not talk about ourselves, my Lord, but there will be effectiveness in our salvation journey, my Lord and King. Father, Lord, this evening given us, we gather in your presence to pray for salvation of all the people in our lives, in our families, Lord, that have not encountered you. We speak salvation in their lives, my Lord. We speak for, for, the, for all those that are still in darkness in our midst, my Lord and King. The Lord will be an encounter of who the Messiah is in our families, for every individual that is not yet saved. In our church, in our nation, Uganda, Lord, this Christmas season, Lord, Usually we have very many cases of robbery and theft in this season, my Lord. But we pray that, Lord, this December there will be there will be an encounter in this nation, Uganda. Lord, that the revival that you've been praying about, there will be that your children shall encounter you. We shall encounter you as a nation in all districts of Uganda, in all the borders of this country, Uganda, in this nation and beyond our borders, my Lord. We pray that your name shall be exalted and indeed we pray that he shall be the Messiah, as your word came forth this evening, Lord. Father, we are also reminded of, 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 of the way your children encountered you in your word when you resurrected Lazarus, Lord, from the dead. Even though some people are doubting, my Lord God, this evening as we gather in your presence, we pray that we shall encounter your resurrection power in every dead situation in our lives, in our families, in our church, my Lord and King. We pray that you will resurrect all the dead things, all the dead situations, all the dead dreams, my Lord and King, all that that you purpose for us to 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 achieve in our in our lives, Lord, we pray that you help us, my Lord and King, to stand strong and look to you and not give up our faith, my Lord, that we shall be able to testify that just like you did it in those days, you are still able. You are God who was and is and will always be my Lord and King. We pray that you be you'll be able to fulfill whatever you have to to do in our lives, in our church, oh Lord, that Lord, the enemy shall not be able to that you that you'll be able to thwart all the plans of the enemy concerning our lives, concerning our families, concerning our church, concerning the body of Christ, my Lord and King. We thank you and we bless your name, my Lord and King. Father, even as we go, we go off this call this evening. We want to pray that you cause us to see you, to see you every single day of our lives. Maybe there are situations that have blinded us to actually see the real you. To actually see who you are, my God. We pray that you take off every form of blindness in our lives, every form of blindness in our families, oh Lord, every form of blindness, whatever way it manifests, maybe in the busyness of the responsibilities that you've given us, that we've taken them too personal and forgotten our 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 relationship with you, my Lord. This evening, as we gather in your presence, we pray that, Lord, there'll be a reawakening. Even as we rest in our beds, Lord, there'll be a refreshing of who you are, of who the Messiah is, of what you can do, of what you can achieve, 
of how great a king you are, of how mighty you are, my God, of how great you are, of how powerful you are, my king, of how mighty and powerful that there is no other other than you, Lord. Lord, that we shall ascribe greatness to you, our Lord and King, and no other man shall be exalted in our lives, on our lips, O Lord, in our tongues, even in our thoughts. There will be no other name that shall be exalted apart from you, the Messiah. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. We worship you this day. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and believe. Amen. Amen.